Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and my guest today is Francis B., the founder and managing director of Eleven International. In today's episode, we're going to talk about cross-border marketing and cultural nuances that play a major role in it. Well, cool, you guys. We have Francis B. today on the on the podcast. Hey, I'm really excited about interviewing today, but you have a um, I'm excited to actually talk about your background because your background, you have you've quite the crazy background of, of expertise and things that you've done. But why don't we start off? Um, well, I will tell everybody that what you're in, you're in Hong Kong right now, correct? Yeah, I am yeah, in Hong Kong. That's awesome. Awesome. And you, you go between Hong Kong and New York? Um, Hong Kong, Beijing and New York is, is the best way to put it. Uh, kind gotcha. of bounce around. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. Mr. International Man. That's, that's what I'm kind of excited about chatting with you about. So before we jump into um, those things, let's talk a little bit about like where you grew up. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up? Uh, give us a little background. Yeah, so uh, technically born in New York City and then uh, ended up growing up in Long Island. Um, later, uh, I actually am technically a dual citizen, so Canadian uh, American, but uh, my, my parents are Korean. Um, and then went to school in Wisconsin, uh, and then also high school in Massachusetts, um, and then have been in uh, Beijing, China, I think starting about eight years ago or so, and then about a year and a half ago, ended up in Hong Kong. So how, how big is your family? Like how big of a family you got? Um, I mean, we, you know, it's just uh, four people. It's my, my sister, my father, and my mother. Uh, my sister's actually back in New York City. She's a nurse there. And she had to deal with the coronavirus. I, I flew over some masks to her, um, I believe, about like six months ago when things started breaking out in the States. Um, it yeah, was, that, was, that was interesting. It was, <laughs> dude, it's, that was crazy. So my wife's a nurse too. So, right, I mean, your, your sister's a nurse. But the crazy part about that, that whole thing is I remember there was a point, and I don't know if this is fully confirmed, but I think they offered my wife like some crazy amount of money to come out and be a nurse in New York for the, the few months when the, the pandemic was really, really kind of hitting the fan. Right. And I, the amount was like insane. And I was thinking, man, there was a point of it. And I thought, God, I can't imagine being a nurse in New York right now. I mean, there's a lot of places that were hit hard, but um, that's awesome. You seem like a good brother, man. You're out there sending out masks to your sister to make sure she was doing good. That's a good thing. Well, I mean, it's the least I should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's that was the the first level of being a good brother. There's probably other levels, but at least having her survive so you can do more good things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. What about any interesting facts growing up, man? Like you, obviously, New York. It's it's kind of interesting. So New York, you have dual citizenship between Canada and the U.S., and then you grew up in in uh, Wisconsin. So, like, give me get any interesting facts growing up. Um, yeah, so I, I actually went to uh, college in Wisconsin, um, but growing up, to be honest, I was just, you know, it's, it's weird because I ended up in China, and that was a little bit um, not originally intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> frankly speaking, I probably didn't really know where China was before uh, I ended up there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a typical uh, uh, growing up, you know, I just lived in suburbia and, 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 and you know, just like with my sister and just you know obviously we had a lot of fights when you're growing up it's it's, it's typical nothing out of the ordinary yeah Yeah, you have to you have to for sure and then um and so you went to college in wisconsin what did you study in wisconsin (laughs) i was trying to figure out my life back then i think it was uh what is it i studied english and history uh to be honest i don't think i took anything from that (laughs) i did end up later you know as a uh, i started out my career as a uh uh, blogger, uh, sorry, I should call it a uh, journalist um, for some tech publications back then. 
Um, and then, yeah, I, I also wrote for like uh, CNET, um, Digital Trends. These are some tech publications that are sort of more consumer facing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, nothing out of the ordinary. To be honest. Yeah, but it, but at least it sounds like it did play into currently what you do. And we'll obviously talk about that with the, the agency you've right. built um, in regards to, I think that is a great background to have. You probably at the time you're thinking, right, you know, doing something against writing or anything like that. You're like, what am I going to use this for? And then all of a sudden it kind of started to, later on, it made a little more sense. I have a lot of people that were like, I got an English lit degree. I don't know why. And then all of a sudden they started doing writing and then they're like, God, I'm glad that I had that background, you know? I don't know if I am necessarily glad with that background, but, you know, to be honest, it did kind of get me to where I am. Um, you know, back then I was kind of lost, you know, you're a college student, you're like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Am I going to be able to get a job, right? All those questions are passing through your mind, especially senior year. Um, and then, you know, eventually things worked out, but my parents were definitely uh you know, they're the, they were definitely concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, they're like, what are we going to do with this here, Francis? Come on, buddy. We got to make sure everybody's uh, watching you. Yeah, Asian parents, right? So it's like, you know, they, they, they want you to become, what is it, like the stereotypical doctor, uh, lawyer or whatever. You know, my father sometimes brings up the lawyer, lawyer detail. But, you know, yeah. eventually it turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just, I think, you know, most, and Asian parents definitely, but, you know, I think all parents are kind of like, you know, especially in college, because it's so hard, man. You're like, what, what am I going to do? Even when I get my degree, am I going to get a job? You know, I don't want to disappoint anybody. There's just, there's a lot of pressure there. You know, I think that happens. A lot of people don't realize, but definitely in an Asian family, I have some of my really good friends are Asian and I'll tell you, that's a different deal. They're like, listen, you need to be successful because everybody's watching you. And if you don't, it's going to be really awkward at Christmas time. Right. It's like, Hey, you oh, got to make it happen. Yeah. But oh, you turned yeah. out right. Yeah, but I mean, here you are on my podcast. Like this life is good, man. You're doing good, bud. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about what was your first job out of college actually? Uh, first job out of college. So I was actually working um, briefly as an intern um, doing PR um, in New York city. Uh, and then eventually I ended up sort of mostly full-time uh, working as sort of a, a writer at Digital Trends. And, you know, it's great because when you're a journalist uh, or a blogger, whatever you want to call it, um, you get access that you didn't have before. You know, you get to talk to a lot of CEOs, you get to talk to a lot of, you know, executives about their companies. And, and then eventually you build some rapport. Um, and for me as a, you know, fresh grad, right? I'm, I'm starting out fresh. I, I, frankly speaking, professionally know no one. <laughs> so um, that kind of gives you that like um, launch, launching point or launch pad for you to kind of launch your career and, and build those relationships that eventually um, help you to, you know, move to the next level. And frankly speaking, eventually that was like one of the reasons why I ended up with my first job in China as well, which, you know, originally I didn't intend to go there. So I was kind of like, you know, running around with my head cut off to some degree or a chicken uh, running around with the head cut off. But, you know, my, one of my editors that I was um, uh, working with back then at one of the publications called The Next Web, he actually introduced me to the first opportunity, which was a content marketing opportunity. So, yeah, I guess, you know, all in all, at the end of the day, the English degree did technically help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the foundation. <laughs> yeah, foundation, yeah, exactly. Yeah, brought you where you're at today. I, I, you know, it's so funny when people talk about like people's journeys. And I think, I think that, you know, we always think, oh, what if I would have done this or what if I would have done that? But it's like your journey that you're taking today literally has to do, well, it, your, your degree in English obviously pushed you to meeting these people, writing great pieces, and then turned into a job in China. And now you have an agency, your 11th uh, 
uh, 11 International, right, that you, that you run. Let's, I want to talk a little bit about that because you, it's so funny. Like, I, people can't see you. I mean, obviously, I can see you because I've, I've got you on video as well. You look like a young guy, man, but yet you've got some, some you're talking about eight years here and doing this and doing that. Um, tell us a little bit about um, 11 eight, uh, International and how you started the company. Like, what, how did that, I'm, I'm interested to hear that the transition. Yeah, so actually, um, I used to work at a drone company. Um, I was a general manager and uh, head of marketing over there. Um, and, you know, I've been working internally at um, various startups, uh, tech companies for some time. Um, and then eventually, you know, you, you put your, like your, your life's work into that and, and you feel great about it. And, you know, when it comes to things like stock options and the things that eventually everybody wants out of that experience sometimes can be a disappointment. And so, you know, after <laughs> years of that uh, and burnout at the same time, um, I just felt that, you know, I just wanted to kind of branch off on my own um, and, you know, give it a shot. So actually kind of technically started a little bit um, accidentally um, in the beginning, uh, you know, uh, people had heard that I would be uh, leaving that company. And um, what ended up happening is that um, I had a couple of folks that reached out. Uh, actually, my first client, they're called CastBox. Um, I'm pretty sure you might be familiar with them. Maybe yeah, not. for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. They're, they're the podcast uh, company. So back then, actually, nobody was familiar with them. The CEO was struggling a little bit to try to figure out a way to promote that company. Um, and, you know, they had sort of made attempts. So, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'll give this a shot. I know you guys need help. Um, and, you know, she was CEO was a, a somewhat of a friend of mine as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of worked with them uh, internally for a little bit, um, kind of helped build the brand. And then at the same time, helped them, uh, you know, especially on the PR side and kind of helped her think through the best approach to be able to build, um, you know, the, the brand that, you know, podcast has right now, um, which I'm, I'm proud of, I guess, to some degree, because, you know, it is a popular sort of international app, but in, in um, back then, you know, I was working out of Beijing with them, which is where they're based as well. Um, and obviously, I think now they might have a San Francisco office. But yeah, I mean, it kind of started off there. And frankly speaking, a lot of the companies that kind of work with me um, have a very similar story. They, they, um, they might have tried things or they've you know, heard about the work that we've done um, and they have a lot to lose <laughs> because obviously there are a lot of you know, pressures from the investors that they get and they want to make sure that they're able to you know, do the best job. So, um, uh, and, you know, build a reputation so the investors are happy, CEOs happy, et cetera. So, you know, people do come to us um, and that kind of started off uh, 11 International. And so when we talk about CastBox, when was that, how long did you, did you work with them? Um, I think that was about three years ago, actually. Okay. So gotcha, when the gotcha. announcement for CastBox came out, that was us. Yeah. And the video and everything. Awesome. So you, okay. So you got... This is what I'm talking about. You have a really seasoned background. Like when I was looking at the things you've done, I was like, oh, this is going to be an awesome podcast because you got some, some cool things that you've done. It's interesting to kind of hear about that. So when you started 11 International, like what, because you talk about being a cross-border digital communication agency. Mm -hmm. So what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so, you know, um, there are a lot of nuances when you're working with uh, people that come from different cultures, different backgrounds. Um, and I think when you, what people don't realize when you're communicating across borders is uh, 
you know, you have to really account for these nuances. Um, people are like, for example, um, PR in China is um, done quite differently, actually. So PR in China, for instance, you can actually pay the journalists to some degree. You can pay them like a little fee. Um, you can also control the messaging. But then when you're kind of translating that experience um, or the way things are done in China to sort of more of a uh, the overseas market, because for us within 11 International, we're actually very much focused on sort of helping companies build their brands, particularly in the US. Um, you know, you have to do some education, you have to know those little details, you also have to understand how um, the, uh, you know, the clients that you're working with are used to working. For example, in China, there's something called 996. Um, they're used to working 9am uh, to 9pm, six days a week. Um, and you'll find that to be pretty common uh, in a lot of tech companies back in back in like Beijing, for example, or or Shenzhen. And so, um, you know, for us, we have to work with that. So, you know, I've sort of figured out a model that works for myself and my employees, where we're not necessarily you know um, working really twenty four seven. Um, but we are on call for the clients. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll be up at 3 a.m. having to deal with various situations for the clients um, because maybe they're not asleep as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also when it comes to like messaging, there's like a lot of cultural nuances that you have that you need to be very cautious about or careful about um, because they're coming from a slightly different mindset um, and how they decide to position their product, their brand may not necessarily as a result um, you know, even if it, if it was successful locally, it may not necessarily mean that it will be successful in the States. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, for us, actually, one of the things that I would say we're quite strong with is being able to help build sort of that um, message for our clients in a way that um, truly resonates with uh, the journalists or tr truly resonates with the end, end user customers. And I think that's, man, I can only imagine the challenge, right? I mean, I think people, even in the U.S., with U.S.-based companies have problems with messaging in the U.S., let alone going yeah, internationally, exactly. right? So, I mean, you just said, hey, I got an idea. Let's figure out the U.S. thing, and let's go ahead and do China, too, and let's go ahead and put this in the mix. You're like, I mean, that's like, I can only imagine. I remember when I graduated from college, there was a, um, it was like this, I think, anyways, I think it was one of my instructors was like, hey, take this, it was a, a class you take on like how to eat internationally and how to like speak and do things. And I remember taking the class, I remember looking and they talked about, hey, don't do this, this is disrespectful. And, they, and it was really basic, basic in what it was, but I remember it kind of blew my mind because I thought, I was looking around me, I'm like, these people, if anybody does business in another country, they're going to be offensive and they don't understand why they're offensive. And there's just those nuances, like you said, there's those things you don't really understand. And it's important to have that that bridge, right? It's important to have somebody to say, listen, that in the US might have done awesome, but here in China, not going to fly, not going to go well. Let me explain yeah. why that is. Right. So like one example is that, you know, I remember back in the day when I was um, working in house, um, you know, the way you put, you might position the CEO in the States, you know, everybody loves that sort of rags to riches story, right? Like Apple, you know, Google, Microsoft. Yeah. They Start off in a garage. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that you want to build in the States. But on the other hand, like in China, they're used to this image of coming from like, you know, this really well-off background, um, one that sort of makes them look like they have some, you know, you know, legacy or makes them look yeah. like they come from a great family. Good foundation. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just very different mindset. People want to aspire to that. But then in, in um, like Silicon Valley, they want to hear that you started out with like nothing. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> right? lived so in your car kind of like, and... Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, 
yeah. It's that that's where everybody wants to yeah, they want to be able to say, oh, man, I was close to that, too. That's awesome. You made it. And then they can relate that to their life and being able to be successful. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That's interesting because it is – the U.S. is so based on, like, the the underdog, right? The underdog that's like, you know, it's, oh, my God. It's like I just worked all these hours and I only had six more cents in my account. And then all of a sudden, you know, and it's like – and they love that. They love that kind of story of, you know, where somebody comes back and, and is successful. But that's interesting. I could understand in other countries it's like, well – you know, I don't, why, why, I mean, who wants to go from being rich to being broke? I just, I, or from being broke <laughs> to being rich. I just want to be rich. Like, I just want to say I have a great family and I have this great foundation and, and no matter what happens, we're going to be successful because we're this family. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So is there any difference between like a cross-border marketer and an international marketer? Is there anything, is there like any differentiator there? Cause I, I think I've never heard yeah. cross-border, but it makes total sense when you say that. Yeah. So I mean like, you know, the way I think about it and um, I guess, you know, when we really try to distinguish the two words, you know, they're actually, frankly speaking, uh, at the surface level may not be a huge difference that you recognize, but kind of when you look at it a bit deeper, um, I think cross-border is more like, you know, um, being able to account for different nuances between the two regions that you're uh, going from and going to, whereas sort of the international marketers are sort of communicating a single message and trying to have that sort of um, apply to sort of the rest of the world. Because, you know, like uh, when I when we work with uh, potential partners, for example, or other agencies, you know, or the uh, we get RFPs, you know, some of these companies, they have very specific requirements to want to uh, be perceived as a global brand. And so we try to build a single message and we kind of have that um, localized, I think, by the local teams that I would personally consider to be more cross-border marketing teams. Um, because they are going from, for example, you know, China to India. Um, but, you know, the, the sort of global message that you're building may not necessarily be um, uh, 100% uh, applicable. So it has to be localized in some degree. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So what would be, I mean, I'm just trying to think about this because the cross-border thing marketer is like, when I saw that was like kind of your title, I was like, that's awesome. Like I really, like it kind of, it kind of in, it intrigued me because I am absolutely not like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, for me, I'd be like cross states or something like that, right? <laughs> Which is really not a thing, right? Yeah. California to Nevada. I don't think that's a, a big thing, but I think internationally it's, it's a big deal. So what do you think are some of the roadblocks when it comes to like cross-border marketing to watch out for? I mean, what are, I mean, what are some of the things that you see people wake the most common things that I, that I think people go and they do and you go, Oh, don't do that. Yeah. Huh. You know, talking to <laughs> don't have clients. A lot, a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that, you know, like one of the first things is that um, when you talk to clients, there's a huge education process. Uh, there, a lot of them are very used to doing things. Um, and obviously, uh, in one way, uh, obviously, um, each market is different. But, you know, like when it goes from China, where it, it, it really at the end of the day is about money to the US, where it's more about, you know, money, obviously, but sort of it, being able to understand that you have to build a brand, there's a very large educational um, cost uh, for just like, you know, for me as well in terms of like time and effort, um, energy that you have to spend and be able to really educate uh, potential clients. You know, when you have meetings, to be honest, <laughs> sometimes the point of contact just brings you in because they want you to educate the CEO on how um, 
why they shouldn't approach this brand building exercises, you know, in a way that that you would normally find in China, where you just literally pay for for the problems to be solved. Obviously, that means that budgets are enormous right now. Like for instance, that was kind of one of the reasons why a lot of our clients they may not necessarily focus just on the China market because actually the China market is a lot more difficult than the U.S. market, which is kind of surprising.、Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. So I mean,、uh, companies they have to kind of be able to、um, uh, be able to sort of align、uh, their ducks in a row internally to be able to really、um, equip themselves so they can actually, you know,、uh, take on the challenge of expanding their products through、uh, branding.、Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, you know, CEOs tend to be very focused on or tend to be、uh, knowledgeable, you know, obviously about you know running the company. But yeah, at the end of the day, there's there's quite a bit of、uh, education that's needed, and I think that's that's sort of like one of the major roadblocks that you find because later down the road, if you misalign expectations,、uh, you know, that can be that can be really challenging in being able to make sure that、um, both parties. Uh, are aligned. Otherwise, you know, there's contractual disputes and and you know things related to payment and、uh, you know things that you know at the end of the day, like in China, contracts don't really matter. <laughs> so <laughs> at the end of the day, you just have to figure out a way to get the job done.、Um, and I think that's you know that's also why a lot of、uh, companies like to approach us because you know we have come from a point of view where we're like you know this is how it is. And and frankly speaking, we're pretty straightforward. Like. Yesterday, actually,、um, with the company, and、um, you know, it would be—it's it, actually、uh, one of the largest ones in Hong Kong.、Um, uh, they have operations in Shenzhen, and they're looking to go into China as well. But they want to build a global brand. But you know, frankly speaking, they've never, you know, really invested in,、uh, a lot into marketing、um, outside of、uh, China, Hong Kong. And so, yeah, I spent—I've spent like the literally the past. Like three months, I think, with multiple meetings, just essentially just on education <laughs> with, for the CEO. I can only、um, imagine, so man. It's, it's been it's been、uh, interesting. Yeah, because you have to you have to be able to control expectation and and what how they what they expect. And you have two totally different cultures and two people that maybe you're you thinking of to- two totally different outcomes. Right, so it's、exactly. like, how do we? You're almost like mitigation. You're almost like the person in the middle is like, okay, I get what you want. I get what you want. All right, let me tell you what's possible. Okay, now let me tell you why that's not、yeah. possible. Now we can do this. You know, it's like you're that. You're that, which is absolutely needed because most people, if you're going to go into another country and start to start do business, and you don't have at least some eyeballs and some ears on the ground of to better understand how to conduct business, like that's when bad things happen. Right, that's when you get into a situation. Where you're like, well, we yeah, had I mean, a contract. It's like, what, what does that mean sometimes internationally? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah,、um, uh, yeah I mean, huh, yeah, the contracts.、Uh, at the end of the day, the, when the money lands is is when when the job is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's that's always the deal. I don't care what the contract says. Did you get any cash? You didn't get cash. Well, that's not done yet. How about that? You got to keep going. In marketing, it sometimes feel like ROI takes center stage, and that isn't necessarily a balanced way to look at things. We're going to talk more about that in the next episode of the Marketing Growth Podcast. But before I sign off, I wanted to mention that you can always reach out to my team at shanebarker.com for any guidance related to marketing. My team has a wealth of experience helping brands grow their business. I'll be back soon with another podcast episode. Stay tuned.